0: I invite you to remain standing for our second scripture reading, which is Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 26 and verse 33. Hear these words. Don't hoard treasure down here, where it gets eaten by moths and corroded by rust, or worse, stolen by burglars. Stockpile treasure in heaven, where it's safe from moth and rust and burglars. It's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be and end up being. Your eyes are windows into your body. If you open your eyes wide in wonder and belief, your body fills up with light. If you live squinty-eyed in greed and distrust, your body is a dank cellar. If you pull the blinds on your windows, what a dark life you will have. You can't worship two gods at once. Loving one god, you'll end up hating the other. Adoration of one feeds contempt for the other. You can't worship God and money both. If you decide for God, living a life of God worship, it follows that you won't fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes times or whether the clothes in your closet are in fashion. There is far more to life than the food you put in your stomach, more to your outer appearance than the clothes you hang hang on your body. What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. This is the way to life. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I have to just first uh, and quickly say, I love my seat up here, not necessarily being the big chair that looks like a throne or something, but getting to sit up here and look out on all of you. um, I see faces who have been here for generations, and I see brand new faces every week. I see faces that are tiny, that sleep through most of what I say. I see older faces who sometimes sleep through most of what I have to say. (laughs) I think I really just felt that I wanted to say to you, I know it's impossible for me to speak to everybody on a Sunday morning, and I grieve that because Katie and I go back and the first thing we do on Monday mornings is, did you see so-and-so? Did you get to speak to them? Who? What, what was their name? What Do you know where they live? Where they? I mean, we try so hard to make the, the connecting dots because we want each and every one of you to feel that you belong here and that you matter here and that we want you here. And yet I know some of you I'm gonna miss today. And so this is my, in general, meant for every single one of you. I wish that I had time to sit and just talk afterwards. And maybe you'll you'll choose to come to the baby sprinkle following this, and we'll get the chance to do that. But you are so welcome here, and I'm so glad that you're a part of this church. So we do start a new sermon series today, and it's called More or Less. And it really begins by us sharing together about the manner in which Jesus lived his life. The way that allowed him to be physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually present. Not tied down. Not hindered by things, by thoughts, by activity. Now it's true that we don't know actually a whole lot about Jesus' total life. We have a snapshot of about three years. And there's still much that we can speculate about, even in that period. What was Um, his money-making during that time? What were his obligations? What was his home life like? But from all that we know about him as a person and as a rabbi, it sure seems that Jesus lived a life built around minimalism. Now, some of you are probably wondering, what is minimalism? And when we came up with this in worship planning, so did I. So I Googled it and I found a website called The Minimalist, and here is what it said. To be a minimalist, you must live with less than 100 things. You can't own a car, or a home, or a television. You can't have a career. You must live in an exotic, hard-pronounced places all over the world. You must write a blog. You can't have children, and you should be a young white male from a privileged background. That cuts out more than 50% of us right there. I kept reading, and I realized they were joking. They were playing off of the stereotypes in our culture today surrounding minimalism. But in all seriousness, the website explains that minimalism is about living with freedom, which explains why Jesus would live in such a similar manner. Living your life focused on what is most important fulfillment, and being free, while minimizing our focus upon those things that detract, that weigh us down, or that offer us false satisfaction. Simply put, Jesus's life invites us to change uh, from our consumption of more in our culture, more stuff, more anger, more busyness. I don't know about you, but that list Sometimes that makes me rather uncomfortable because I'm pretty comfortable with more things, at times more anger, and plenty of busyness. But as we move through these few weeks, your worship planning team here at First Church really hoped that we might use this as a time in preparation for Lent. Many of you um, choose to give up something during Lent to foster a deeper spiritual discipline. But we didn't wanna just stumble into the Lenten season, which happens at the end of this month. We wanted to provide you opportunities to learn about meaningful things you might choose to give up as a spiritual practice to mark your Lenten journey. So today we begin by exploring less stuff and more experience. Now you may have read or heard about uh, the research that backs up today's topic. In 2016, Forbes magazine cites research done by San Francisco State University that explains that people are happier and feel better about the money they do spend when they spend it on experiences versus more material possessions. Countless research has come out showing this to be true. But I want to name this carries with it one very important variable, and that is socioeconomics. Wealthier people tend to have greater happiness when spending money on experiences versus material possessions, in part because our needs are already met. Though for persons who are living in poverty or on the poverty line and they don't have their needs met, there may be genuine fulfillment and satisfaction when they are able to have a desired or needed material possession. Most of us here today fall somewhere in the middle, socioeconomically, most of the time. So how then do we take heart the words and the ways of Jesus when it comes to things and experiences? First, I want to invite you to pay attention to our scripture that's been read today, because it's intentional. Jesus spoke more about money than practically anything else more about its place in our lives, the role it should serve, how it was not intended to be our God, which is the purpose of taking up an offering during worship. Yes, your gifts go to help support our operating budget. But the truth is, the spiritual act involved in that is in part saying, this which threatens to be my God, I give up and I lay it on the altar every week. Now I know we don't all give every week, but it's a symbolic act within our worship service designed to remind us who God is. Because Jesus very clearly and directly says you can't worship both. You can't worship both. Yet Jesus also seems to understand that money must have a place in our society. Jesus says, give to Caesar what is Caesar, give to God what is God's. He knows the realities of our world, yet he invites us to question the underlying assumption. Does storing up riches really make you happier? Really? The first scripture that we read today was about the transfiguration, and that was intentional too. Consider, I mean, Jesus had numerous ways to make the point to his disciples that he's the son of God could have done it any way he wanted to, and yet he chooses to take a few friends and to climb a mountain and to have something transformational happen on that mountaintop. A special experience. An experience that no doubt would stay with them forever. And he knows this because he encourages them, don't say anything to anybody about this right now. Wait until the resurrection. Because he knew that Only they could really understand it with that resurrection in place, and only then could people begin to believe it. But Jesus is not worried about them forgetting about their experience. It's so powerful, in fact, that Peter wants to pitch tents and stay on the mountain. And isn't that the way a good experience almost always is? We want to stay, and yet those experiences stay with us. Now, I have long learned about myself that I value an experience over a possession. Years ago, I began a summer tra- a tradition with my children where I would wake them up and I would tell them, Today is Destination Unknown Day. <laughs> and I would tell them what to pack, and we would load up in the van and we would drive to at least some place that they had never been. So we've been to Moundville and Selma and Coleman and the Shoals simply to see what the road had in store that day. I love the memory of, at the end of one of those hot days, we came upon unexpectedly a splash pad. And every one of us was drenched to our core by the time that place closed and we drove home. I love how when we made it to Selma on like the hottest summer day ever, we found out that the Voting Rights Museum was, in fact, not open, <laughs> and yet we made our way to this tiny little ice cream shop to wet our whistles, to cool down. I love that this fall, after years of them listening to me wanting to go to the Shoals to explore some um, a, a place there called the, Sanct- the Sacred Way Sanctuary, where they have Native American horses from all over the North America that they drove with me all the way there only to find out when we got there that they had just changed their visitor policy. And in fact, while they did have those horses there, I would not be seeing them. (laughs) So instead, we drove home that day on all the back roads. All of those memories filled with adventures that I wouldn't trade for anything. At my house, it is adorned with mementos from experiences, On my coffee table, I keep a collection of things that I've picked up. A starfish from an early vacation before we had kids with Steve. Shells from the many times our church has traveled to Panama. A stick, of all things, from Glacier National Park. A rock from the cradle of humankind in Africa. Pine cones from a walk in the woods with Eugene Peterson. Memories of experiences that will last forever. But not all experiences have to come with the hefty price tag of a trip you take somewhere. This glass jar that I brought sits in my bathroom on our countertop in between our two sinks. And it is filled with treasures that don't take anything more than walking out my front or my back door glass that has been broken and smoothed by the creek in our backyard where my kids have played countless hours in the sand, sticks from our dog Dax as he likes to fetch them in the front yard, a bird's nest found in crepe myrtle trees when their leaves fell, broken pieces of pottery from my parents, not from my parents' work, but from their land of Native Americans. Every time we would turn the soil over for a garden, we would find them. I keep on my back porch this bowl filled with pine bark that fell off of my favorite pine tree from my childhood home after I had been struck by lightning once again. It is truly, like they've checked it out, one of the largest pine trees in the state. And the last time it got struck, pine bark went everywhere in the pasture and I collected it. My dad was like, what are you doing with that? I'm bringing home a piece of it to keep, to remind me because I remember countless hours of climbing its limbs and swinging from them. On the altar, I brought one of the many bowls and jars that adorn my home that are filled with seashells. Shells I pick up from creeks, from lakes, from any body of water, any ocean that my feet might step foot in. There's something about water that is incredibly peaceful to me and so I bring those pieces home and put them throughout my house. These things and more are my favorite treasures. They are worthless, but they are sacred in their meaning to me. Because they hold value of people that I love and creation that I love. But experiences aren't just trips and excursions or even special things or mementos that you can hold in your hand. Experiences are also before us all the time. You're in one right now. Momentary opportunities to be focused on the present and make the most of the time that we have with the people we love. So just a couple of weeks ago, one of our youth interns, Misha LaShore, posted a video on Facebook that apparently is old, but I didn't know it, and I was so struck, but it shit ten times that day. I thought it was hilarious, and I thought it was adorable, but it showed to me the brilliance of a young father making the most of a moment with his infant child. It cost him nothing to be present in that moment, nothing but his heart. Watch this with me.
1: Okay. They need to work on that, right? Yes. Yes, okay. Did you understand it though? No. Yeah. No. Okay. All right. Huh? <laughs> oh, no. Not, not this one. This is the grand finale of this one. Okay, Yeah, that's the last one. That's what I was wondering. I don't know what they're going to do next season because they did some stuff this time. Exactly what I was thinking. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, don't break that again. You know what I'm saying? Don't do the same stuff. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think that. Yeah. Yeah. Like go somewhere else with that, but don't break here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's what I said. The, the was like. Ah. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, what in the world? Don't do it here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 Really? How about the same thing? <laughs> we think a lot alike, huh? Oh, that's crazy. Right.
0: <laughs> Did you see their faces? enthralled with one another in the moment, completely present. This is the invitation we are given, that we're being asked to consider living with less stuff, focused on more experience. Yes, maybe this means sometimes you save the money that you have and you try to take a trip to somewhere you've longed to go, to have your horizons expand and to see a part of creation that you haven't seen before. But maybe it also simply means you put down your phone, you turn off the TV, you play a game with your family. Maybe it means you pick up the phone and you call a friend and you take a walk down Lakeshore Drive in your neighborhood or you go to Red Mountain Park. Maybe it means you get in the floor and you play with your beloved cat or dog. Maybe it means you clean out a closet. You give away extra towels, knives, sweaters, t-shirts, pots, and pans, and instead of going and buying yourself something new to fill those shelves, you simply leave the space available for things you will find in life that cost you nothing. Things that you collect along the way that remind you of your experiences in life that fill your heart with joy, and that invite you to worship God. Maybe less stuff really does mean we have more space for true joy and that really is freeing. So I invite you this week, pick something. Maybe it's your wallet or your purse or a closet or a drawer. Clean it out. Get rid of something. And then intentionally choose to grab a hold to a new experience with someone or something and see if, in fact, that brings you more joy and freedom.